What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Draftaholics, coming to you live from New York City, beautiful New York City, at the Draftaholics studio, where we always evaluate the NFL teams and players in the context of a real draft or a real team. The rest, as they say, is just pretend. I'm your host, Matt Saboka, at Draftaholic on Twitter, and once again, via satellite, after helping out with the hurricane, George Sloten on the big screen. What's up, buddy? What's up, everybody? Glad to be here, at George Sloten on Twitter. And I'm William Spinato at W Spinato on Twitter. Two N's, one T. It's good to see both of you guys again. Good to see you. Yeah, sorry I introduced yeah, one buddy. and just like left you hanging with the other there. Sorry, yeah. man, I picked it up. Yeah, you can follow us all at Draftaholics Pod on Twitter or on Instagram. We're getting that beefed up this week. Get ready for some realness over there. And guys, it's week three. We're already like full swing, full go. And I feel like just yesterday we were talking about the drafts. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of feels crazy that it's already three weeks into the season. We've got some information from weeks one and two, but I don't think anything's quite set in stone. We still have a lot of theory and uh, which teams are going to end up being the dominant ones. We're going we're gonna to find that out soon. Yeah, a lot of noise, not a lot Wait, of signal. I, I thought it was still preseason. Is it? Oh, we're, we're like, so everything that I just did in the past two weeks of fantasy is real? It has it been actually, real. It did, yeah. Um, yeah. Strangely enough, yeah. Uh, Guys, we just have to say, this has been one of the weirdest, most reality show-esque seasons I can remember. And not all of it is very fun. Yeah. Uh, Just this uh, news that came over the wire today that Antonio Brown did not show up for his film session. It really sounds like a no-call, no-show. It does feel good to have more drama than season-ending injuries. This is not a Bravo show. I don't need this. The the drama of the sport itself is plenty, and that's why we play a proxy game based on that sport. That's why we're fantasy football obsessed. The game is enough. Yeah. So, but it kind of speaks to the yeah. organization not really having it together in terms of what the players want and desire from their salaries or from their living and working conditions in the NFL. Clear, I think this is a huge red flag for Goodell, which, by the way, if you saw the gif of him on opening night, did you see when they no. cut to him? Oh, my God. The veins in his brain are like exploding on his forehead. Hey, no matter like how his you brain. feel about that guy. He, oh. uh, you know, it looks like he's clearly... Like in the middle of a meltdown, it's kind of yeah. horrifying. But I, I yeah. think it, it speaks to that more than anything else. But as a fantasy player, it's it's frustrating and confusing. Yeah, I mean, when you're without Lev Bell and you're without Antonio Brown, we think it's because of injuries. We think it's because something has occurred on the field, and unfortunately, we're without their services. But I have never recalled in a decade of playing fantasy sports with my buddies any time where this contract dispute, especially from the same team, is affecting this game so heavily. Yeah. Um, Well, I will say that he had a huge EP release in Miami last night, Lee Gun Bell, and it went (laughs) swimmingly. Was he just inviting Antonio down to record with him? Is that what the deal Uh, is, that he needs a a partner in, in crime, in rap crime? I'm not going to I'm not going to say All right, let's <laughs> We got to get to football here, but man, I'm for those of you who drafted Le'Veon and Antonio Brown the first round, I didn't expect any of this. You didn't expect any of this. I, this is just a little nope. bit nuts. Um, we're just going to roll with it. We're going to move on. We're going to get over. We're going to try our best to win that millionaire maker and all your season-long matchups in the process nonetheless. Okay. We are going to take a few moments. We're going to talk about our week two wins and losses. We're going to see our hits and misses. And then we're right on into week three. We're going to talk about the matchups to watch. We're going to talk about our quick shots. And we're going to, of course, reveal a draft that we did. And stick around for the end because you will, of course, get that one lineup to rule them all. Guys, you don't want to miss that. 
Okay, let's dig into our week two draft here, guys. It was finally a victory for yours, truly, from the three-hole. Thanks for drafting Rob Gronkowski. Anytime, uh, yeah. buddy. I mean, actually, I learned my lesson. I'll never do it again. There you go. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, Deshaun Watson. Over 100 points for those five, giving me the first place at the third pick. With the second pick and third place... Overall, Rob Gronkowski, David Johnson, Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, and Tom Brady. That was William's team. Mm-hmm. And George's team in the middle, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, and Drew Brees. Now, they all hit, but they weren't huge hits, especially for Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham. That leaves our draft standing, excuse me, draft standings. One win for William and I, and George still with zero wins Woo! himself. He'll Gosh. get it eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, you took us this week. You scored over 100, and we were both in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to run down the uh, DFS lineup to rule them all. We had Pat Mahomes, a quarterback, who you pretty much had to have a quarterback. Same with James Conner and running back. We didn't quite hit with Isaiah Crowell, but I want to point out that if you had swapped out to the very chalky Tevin Coleman, you might have cashed. Right. Yeah. Uh, Then we had Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Quincy Inunua. Inunua and Thomas doing pretty well for their price. Julio Jones kind of a miss. And then Ian Thomas in the tight end slot, who you could have swapped out as well. I actually swapped him out for Travis Kelsey. I had a free FanDuel ticket and also a a Reddit free contest, and I cashed in both of them by switching that lineup. Only Ian Thomas for... uh, for Kelsey there, and so that Kelsey Mahomes stacks brought me into the green. Uh, and then we had Eckler and Chargers, kind of an interesting take on that Gordon Chargers stack, which is going to be a surefire bet. Sadly, we did not uh, cash in either FanDuel or DraftKings. We had 130.64 and 152.54 points in FanDuel and DraftKings, respectively. That's not quite enough to cash. But like I said, we made our lineup very early. We were doing some predictions based on the stats and uh, and the spreads that we saw, but you could have... And he's selling, it a little, he's selling it a little short here because yeah. it was 94% right. of the cash it was rate real close. and 99% of the cash right. rate on the DK million dollar contest right. with one tiny pivot. You're looking at, you're in the black. Guys, if you can take our gut feelings with just a couple hours of collaborative research on Tuesday and match it with what you know on Friday and Saturday, can't right. make a few switches, I don't know what to tell you guys. This is the Draftaholics making it easy for you. You can win a million dollars this year if you try. I give it a B rating, but we're going to keep on moving on up. So let's go over our quick shots from last week, see if they were hits or misses. For our cash smash, that's the play that we know we could draft in every draft and they'd be just fine. Mike Evans for yours, truly. James Conner for George, that was. And the Gordon Chargers stack, they all hit wide receiver 17 or 12 uh, on DK for Mike Evans. James Conner was the RB9 on FanDuel and the RB7 on DraftKings. And Gordon was the RB2 or 3 on DK. And the Chargers D did just great with 10 points. Three hits right there, Matty. I, I think it. it's four hits if you yeah. count the Chargers D. Yeah, Moving sure. On, bonus hit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Moving on to the faded glory. These are players we do not like after repeat to repeat their performances from week one. Adrian Peterson, he finished RB8 and RB3. 39, respectively. Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver 81. Of course, we can't foresee that hamstring injury, although 30-something-year-olds get hurt in the hand, in uh, soft tissue injuries. That happens. And Kenny Stills, two touchdowns on five targets, did not repeat. Wide receiver 93 performance. I say that is three hits on those misses. Three good misses. Exactly. Three good misses. Uh, yeah, We're good there at we missing. go. All right. 
six for six or seven for seven if you want to say but now it's the floor play the ugly touches category this one was a little tougher isaiah crowell his snaps went up his rush market share went up and yet he finished only running back 46 he didn't break off a big one yep Dion lewis rb 47 and 48 on DraftKings. Uh, again the snap share stayed pretty similar but he saw less of a target share and he finished in the rb far down the rb two three four category Alex Smith, big disappointment here at QB30. Look at those names that finished ahead of him. Josh Allen, Nick Foles, Eli Manning. These were Peyton beacons Manning. of quarterback performance. I, yeah. We didn't He quite... may have done better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm going to say that's three misses there, unfortunately, for the floor play. The usage was there for a lot of it, but we didn't quite get it. And it, a lot of the same here with our James Washington, Mike Williams, and on Johnson moonshot picks. But boy, was there just a little bit of a... There was a little bit of a rocket ship up yeah. towards the moon. Sure. It just didn't quite get there. James Washington caught his first touchdown, 80% of snaps. He had an 8% target share, up from zero. Uh, we do have to give you a shout-out, George, because Deshaun Jackson, that extra moonshot that you kind of gave last week to say, keep on, keeping on with him. <laughs> oh, man. He's been hitting, huh? That is awesome. Uh, I feel like him and... Fitzpatrick had this connection that sometimes occurs between quarterback and receiver and just let it ride, folks. Yes, absolutely. Enjoy it. Uh, carry on Johnson, he saw a snap share increase, his target share increase. He was on the field with Theo Riddick a bunch of times in that hurry-up offense. I'm thrilled for his future, but I call it a miss here. Yeah, he's got guys. a moonshot coming. I, I mean, believe it. I just don't know exactly when. It was a little early for that prediction. All right, that was week two. We're going to post our standings there at Draftaholics Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm telling you as much as I'm telling myself, we've got to get that rolling, and we're going to this week. <laughs> That's my accountability for you on air, folks. Okay, so do you feel it, guys? You feel it? Whoa. Yeah, it's like that the, was smooth. the winds of change. Remember that from uh, Monsters, Inc.? Do you hear that? It's the winds of change. You hear it? You hear the winds of change? What a creep. One of these days, I am really going to let you teach that guy a lesson. Remember Randall? Yeah. Wow. That was a, an interesting shout-out there. I like yeah, it. no, no. We have changed. Hey, we are already on to week three. Thank you, George. You're Thank welcome. you, George. Uh, so we have moved on to week three of the regular season. And, of course, we start with our matchups to watch. That's uh, the matchup we love to see as a fan, as a fantasy analyst. It can either be a team versus a team, a player versus a team. Maybe it's a quarterback up against a vaunted defense. Maybe even a player versus a player, like a wide receiver cornerback matchup. We can't wait to watch. So for week three, what was your matchup that you can't wait to see, William? I can't wait to see the Chargers take on take on the Rams in L.A. The Chargers have looked pretty good so far. They look like someone we can well, finally... Well, it would definitely be in L.A. since they're both in L.A. But Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but particularly in, in Rams... I guess they're more home for the Rams. That's a yeah. good point, though, in terms of a home crowd. But either way, they're facing a good defense, finally. They've been able to, to score pretty well, and it looks like the offensive players on their team, even some that we weren't expecting to hit, like Austin Eckler, we could Boom. have some... Exactly, we could have some production out of them. But they face Kansas City and Buffalo... Were some pretty easy offenses. In fact, 
they're the easiest offenses to score against in the league. Or defense so, to score against. I'm sorry, yeah, defense to score against yeah, in the league. Yeah, he knows the exactly. difference between yeah, football I, I right and left. Yeah, yeah, I totally do. <laughs> but now they finally get to go up against the Rams, and, and that's a challenge where we get to see if they can actually contend for the playoffs this year. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about some of my Charger fan pals that have been, you know, excited to have some excellent players, but never really got to root for a winning team because somehow they always drop the ball. Uh, this is a chance to see if they're, if they're going to be able to carry through to another win here. Uh, George, which matchup are you interested in watching? Oh, boy. Bill Belichick. I just want to see them hug it out at the 50-yard line. Bill will probably tap him on the head and okay. say, there, there, boy, it's okay going 0-3. Uh, the Lions can't win. They um, they almost came back and beat the 49ers, but they didn't. Um, I, I, along with the rest of the nation, hope to see uh, Josh Gordon suit up for this game. I'm not anticipating it, but I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Randy Moss 2.0 is uh, what some people are calling him. and I wouldn't go that far, but uh, I certainly see the similarities. The Patriots' offense last week looked bad against the Jaguars. It is the Jaguars, so um, it doesn't even doesn't surprise me even for someone like Tom Brady. Uh, but Tom hasn't broken 300 yards passing in a game yet, and I know it's only been two weeks, but um, I think this will happen against a shoddy Lions defense and a shoddy Lions offense. I mean, I think that Golden Tate, uh, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Matt Stafford—they're all—they all will have good uh, fantasy weeks. Uh, often, but I don't think it's enough to uh, keep up with the Tom Brady's and the Chris Hogan's and the Rex Burkhead's and uh, James White's, yada, yada, yada. So I'm excited to see Matt Patricia go 0-3. I don't think he's a great defensive coach. Um, I don't think he's a great coach. So um, I'm excited to see him lose to his his, Guardian, if you will, I don't know. His his mentor. You wanted to say you wanted to say it. Just daddy. say daddy. Lose no, daddy. No, <laughs> no, don't, don't, you wanted, oh, no. don't, don't, no, no. Daddy's here, and daddy is gonna take care of you. Please don't refer to yourself as our daddy. I am your big daddy, and I am gonna kiss the boo boo. Little Andy is afraid. Andy's afraid. Yes. Are you all afraid? No. Daddy's here for you, my widow angels. Okay. Now, we're <laughs> moving on. I think the Bilicek-led Patriots crushed the Lions. Yeah. And prove me wrong, Matt Patricia. Prove me wrong. Sure, Speaking of battle of coaches and former coaches, it's the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles that I cannot wait to watch. First of all, Carson Wentz, welcome back to the NFL after tearing your ACL just nine months ago. Philadelphia is thrilled to have their leader back, but his leader on the sidelines is over on the other sideline now. (laughs) So I want to see if Frank Wright can't take a few tricks out of that Doug Peterson playbook and use it against his old boss. I really think this has a sneaky shootout potential. It also could be the other way. It could also be like one of these 13 to 7 games. I believe in what Frank Reich has uh, drawn up for the physical traits of Andrew Luck now. He might not be the downfield passer for a while, if ever. That's fine. If he's completing all the passes of you know whatever A dot you give him, I don't care. And I'm really interested to see the Eagles as close to full strength as they've been this year. Still no Alshon Jeffrey. I think that's going to be one heck of a matchup. I give the edge to the Super Bowl champion Eagles, but I think the Indianapolis Colts cover. I do. So let's move on to our most favorite part. In just a moment, we're going to do what the Draftaholics do best, folks. You know what that is. Draft. That's right. It's draft time, folks. We are right into it. Our week 
three, three person draft, five players, best lineup wins. I got the first pick. Finally. Congratulations, Thank Matt. You draft. And I hope you guys tried out those auction drafts, those dream team drafts. We're going to get into the breakdowns of some of those in future episodes. But for now, it's the good old-fashioned snake draft style. I started out Todd Gurley. George got his Alvin Kamara once again. Always. And William goes Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Finds that running back value in the first round. Finally! Guys, it's n- it's even more obvious to go running back in a one-week draft. It's easier to project. It's easier to predict. Moving on from there, Michael Thomas is the first wide receiver tight end off the board for George. Melvin Gordon, my second running back. I get the same stack of running backs as last week, this week. And Julio Jones, well, easy enough. Antonio Brown for George. Hope he plays. He was a no-call, no-show on Tuesday. That is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. I think you need to just set aside a certain amount. I even saw this from an analyst. Set aside a certain amount of DFS bankroll and just put it on Patrick Mahomes and his two favorite receivers. Uh, You can add Watkins in there if you want. It's that good every week. Finish out the draft. Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Hopkins, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and uh, Rob (laughs) Gronkowski. Much better as a final pick of a draft. I almost did it in spite. But, uh, you know, I actually do like him there. He was one of the best receiving options available all right all right i still would have preferred someone like a keenan allen Uh, there's a lot of wide receiver ones i'd rather have there but hey it's not my team and hey if he wins another one he's got the first to two wins so that was our draft i really think the main part i want to break down about this slate is that the todd Gurley melvin gordon stack now plays against each other Mm -hmm. this could be a situation where it's a sneaky shootout and they uh i've already seen the rams funnel targets to tight ends and running backs this season and i hope it's the same with melvin gordon Uh, i don't think antonio gates is the huge factor he used to be i don't think he's going to do that ever so i see melvin gordon austin eckler and of course keenan getting his short area targets just as good as he's always doing and todd Gurley, he is as close to matchup proof as you can possibly get the Chargers carved him up, even though Kareem Hunt didn't have a big game. The backfield trickeration was how Tyreek Hill scored, and I think we could see more of the same with the Rams. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Drew Brees, that's chalky wide receiver and quarterbacks. I'll take it. I just took the value there. Let's move on to heuristics. William, how'd you build your lineup this week? Well, as you know, I went running backs this time instead of uh, grabbing Woo! Rob Gronkowski in the first round. I, do, I feel really good about Barkley <laughs> and McCaffrey this week. I feel like McCaffrey, again, is going to secure a lot of passes. I, I think the picks of Saquon and Christian gave me a really high floor to start with, which made me feel confident enough to take another shot on Tyreek Hill. I think there's a really right. good chance he goes off for maybe two or three deep balls like he did in week one. And pairing him up with Pat Mahomes in three and four was easy after I already knew I had a pretty solid floor with Barkley and McCaffrey. Barkley caught 16 passes 16 last... 16 targets, 16, but still, my 16 targets, goodness. Yeah. They were just throwing it out to him in the flat. There wasn't exactly any kind of like beautiful design around that, but if you're getting half a point per reception and for, for McCaffrey as well, that gives you a solid floor. I also feel like the Patriots do need to use Rob Gronkowski this week. I... I I know I'm going to get flack for this pick. It might have been done kind of in spite. But I feel like the combination (laughs) with uh, Gronk's floor and Hill's ceiling gives me a chance of ending up in second if I don't end up in first. Upside, upside, upside. I mean, last pick in the draft, Rob Gronkowski. No one's going to complain there. George, tell us the story. Well, before I tell you my story, I can certainly come up with a story where I I poo-poo Gronkowski going as the last pick as the 15th best player. But I'll leave that for uh, time off the air. Off of the podcast, if you will. 
Um, <clears throat> my story this week was is, is compliments of Las Vegas. Um, the over-under was the key to my selections this week. Um, <clears throat> I chose four players from three of the highest over-under projected games this week. That's from the Detroit uh, uh, Patriots game and the Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay game. Uh, both having the third and second highest over-unders projected for the weekend. So that's where you get Brady, Kamara, Thomas, and uh, Antonio Brown. In regards to Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the best wide receiver on the Cowboys right now is Tavon Austin, who's coming in at like the 30 or 32nd best wide receiver (laughs) in half-point PPR. So I think they're realizing that that offense funnels on the ground through Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and Dak certainly let him have all the touches he wanted this week, and I certainly see even more touches this coming week. Ezekiel is someone who is a workhorse back, three-down back, uh, definitely is a good pass-catching back as well. Uh, It would not shock me to see him get 25 touches this week, so that's where I'm going with my team. And uh, finally, uh, see, I've been playing this like golf, like low-score wins, but now now that I know that the rules are different, I'm going to win this week. So, yeah, okay. we're going to see a huge change in George's strategy now that he knows it's not I'm now going to be I will I'm really I, happy you clear that Yeah, up. I will be taking That's... Gronk in the first round from now on. <laughs> oh yeah. The troll game, it's unstoppable, folks. Wow. Okay, I really like the draft and especially my team. Let's move right into our favorite segment. Get that air dribble going. Get the ball, the crossover. He shoots. He Hey. Oh. <laughs> I tried to like toss something yeah. into it. I don't. I the. I don't even know what our moving basket via satellite was doing there. But it's the Draftaholics <laughs> quick shots where we break down some of our favorite fades and favorite players that we didn't quite mention in our draft. Of course, first it's Cash Smash. Hey. These are players you could have in every single one of your draft lineups. If you're playing two, three lineups on DFS, you could put them in all three. These are the players we expect to do work. William. Start us off here. I see something similar to what you were talking about in your quick shot cash smash last week. Exactly. We're going to kind of bring up a theme here. And and I was saying last week that this was going to be something we were going to tap into. You're going to want to pick the running back and the defense that are facing the Bills. They're the new Browns. Basically, you could bank on playing... You could bank on winning against the Browns last year. And when you can bank on winning against a team, it's a pretty good shot that your running back and your defense are going to do a pretty good job. Uh, They face another, you know, the thing is about, um, sorry, the thing about Cook and the uh, Vikings D is that they can take that to another level, right? Dalvin Cook has the workload. He's been in on 75% of the snaps. The defense is good. People reach for the Vikings D even in redraft leagues. That turns a chalk pick of the running back and the defense against the Bills as a pick you have to have in your lineup in order to be able to catch tournaments. George, what are you saying here? Why are you saying no? I often do this. I often do this when William talks anyway. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, oh, I, I really like the call there. I really do feel like Dalvin Cook and the Vikings D are a great pick because of the matchup, as we said. But also, there are a couple of interesting matchups that I think are going to be. Uh, possibly the new hotness, which might keep their ownership a little bit lower than what we expect. Right. First of all, I don't really care when it's a great running back defense matchup. Just just find value in other areas of your lineup. Right. But with the Chicago Bears having a great Monday night matchup and playing the Cardinals, who might have the worst offense in the sport right now, if it's not the Bills, 
and the Jacksonville Jaguars possibly having an opportunity to go up against the Blaine Gabbert Titans. I know they were competent last week, but I still think that Jacksonville D will be highly owned against that backup quarterback, making the ownership of that combination a little bit lower than it should be. Okay, let's move on here. Ryan Fitzpatrick. What a world we're in, but he's a cash smash for George. We're cashing him. Tell us the reason. Yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie, guys. Uh, If you watch the, the game this week, Pat Mahomes tore up Pittsburgh, tore them up. And uh, the Pittsburgh defense didn't even look great against the Browns. Granted, it was in the rain in week one. But Ryan Fitzpatrick has, has thrown for 400-plus yards in both games. Eight touchdowns, one interception. The uh, Pittsburgh defense has given up the second-most points to opposing quarterbacks. Big Ben struggles on the road. So I don't foresee uh, a great offensive outing for Pittsburgh. And uh, Deshaun Jackson, hello. Moot sees my seasonal moonshot, my moonshot of week one and two. He's the wide receiver three currently in half-point PPR leagues with nine receptions, 275 yards, and three touchdowns through two weeks. Uh, if you saw that picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick looking just dapper as ever behind uh, behind the podium, uh, oh looking like a looking like a Conor McGregor. I mean, <laughs> if nothing says cash mash like Conor McGregor. So that's where my money's at for this week. Crazy. I yeah, don't believe it. Emphasis on the smash there. Yeah. Uh, my cash match this week, Gio Bernard. Unfortunately for the Joe Mixon season-long fantasy owners, it's going to be a few weeks. He's had a cleanup uh, procedure, I believe, and that means Gio Bernard is stepping in just as he did at the end of the season. Last year, we literally talked about this a month ago on the Draftaholics podcast. Sure did. Talking about the upside of Gio Bernard if this were to occur. As a fan of the Bengals offense the first two weeks, I'm happy that we're going to see Joe Mixon again. But let's talk about those target share numbers. As Joe Mixon was battling that knee injury in week two, we saw Gio Bernard's target share change to exactly the same as what we saw last year. 3.6% target share in week one, 19% in week two. Mixon still had a 2.4% target share in week two since he played part-time. We have to assume while he's out, those targets funnel over to Gio Bernard. Mark Walton is going to be active, their rookie fourth round running back pick, but I think this is a seven target Chris Thompson type floor for Gio Bernard on top of the running back rushing touches that he's going to get. I don't really care. The price is right on DFS. I don't care if he's chalky and he's going to have high ownership. Let's just play the cheap play. Yeah. Gio Bernard until Matty, notice. call me crazy, but I don't, I don't I see a world where he gets 10 or 12 targets and ends up with eight catches on the week. Um, he's he is he has an easy way to 100 yards on the ground and through the air combined and chalky or not, I agree with you Matt 100%. Yeah, especially for the price, you can build your whole lineup around slotting him in. Right. Right. There's so many options. You can have a Kamara and a McCaffrey right. and, you know, find ways to save other ways when you have Gio Bernard. So that's our cash smash play. Now we flip it over to our faded glory. This is a player that had expectations or had a good performance in the weeks past, but we don't believe it's going to continue. And while the rest of the public is still on him, we're saying no. I'm going to start here with David Johnson. Guys, I I think it's time to panic with David Johnson. I'm really scared. So if he's not getting the elite target share that we expect from an RB1, the idea that he is a top-tier first-round pick, just gone. Exactly. Just 
gone. Mike Clay tweeted out the ESPN analyst. He said that every single run for David Johnson was supposed to go between the tackles. Now he bounced a few outside, but if he's not even getting chances to break tackles outside, he's outside the top 50 in evaded tackles per touch. That's juke rate on player profile, excuse me, playerprofiler.com. That is not going to get it done. One thing I noticed as I was watching the Giants versus the Cowboys, from an analytics perspective, these were not efficient pass calls for Saquon Barkley during his 16 targets, but he was still breaking tackles left and right. I mean, turning a one-yard loss into a two-yard gain consistently, David Johnson is not even capable of doing that right now. I'm off him in season long. I'm off him in DFS until the Cardinals figure it out. Also, no goal line carries because they don't get there. That's bad. Okay. It's bad. All right. Who's next? We got George. Me? Why are you fading Keenan Allen? (sighs) Guys, Keenan had a stellar week one and a mediocre at best week two. I mean, he didn't didn't see Pater. That was given over to uh, Mike Williams and Melvin with three three touchdowns. But uh, just as you want to play the Bills if you're a defense, you don't want to play the Rams if you're an offense. The Rams may be the best offense, best defense in the league. Excuse me. They are devastatingly good. They are exceptional. I've watched the entirety of both of their games, and they've only allowed 12 catches to wide receivers for a total of 98 yards over the two games. They completely shut down Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson. My my buddy, my friend, my pal Larry Fitzgerald, and the the combination of Christian Kirk, among other wide receiver twos on the, uh, on the Cardinals. The Rams are at home. I expect a heavy, heavy dose of Melvin and dump-offs galore to Melvin and Austin Eckler. I am fading Keenan this week, and uh, anybody else who plays the Rams, fade them fade them the whole year. George, I have to say I like the take. I mean, it's why I was afraid to take Keenan Allen with the last pick, and I pivoted and went, well, not a pivot for me. but The only thing I will Kirk. say is that Jared Cook did go off, and they, you he know, did. it might be a scheme decision to let the tight end do his thing while not surrendering the big plays to wide receivers, but... George, you're uh, yeah, and I, and that's why not, I thought they're not giving up points to wide receivers. Right, that's yeah. why, and that's why I thought Ricky Seals Jones would have had a huge week last week. But I mean, the like like you like you said, the, the Cardinals' offense is just it's it, they might they, they could play with eighteen people on the on the field and they still wouldn't get it done. I mean, that's how bad if they look. Football, if you can't score touchdowns, you can't be picked for DFS. If I had a nickel for every third and eight they had on Sunday, I'd have like two dollars and forty five cents. The inefficiency knows no bounds. William, what do you got? My faded glory is actually pretty sad himself because he already is pretty faded, but I definitely would not even consider starting Carlos Hyde. He only has 105 total yards on 53 total touches. That is sad. He's not catching any passes. Duke Johnson is eating into his workload, and the Jets' D is fourth in DVOA overall against the run. I expect them to be from behind. Then they're going to have to use Duke anyway. There's no way that Carlos Hyde is scoring any points. I'm staying completely away from the running game. I think that Tyrod Taylor probably has the most rushing yards from scrimmage. That, I believe. I do think with Josh Gordon leaving, you're going to see a more traditional style offense with a target share completely loaded towards Jarvis Landry and then not much else in terms of uh, innovation there. All right. So now we are moving on here. We are moving on to the floor play. We sometimes call these ugly touches or touches out of nowhere, you might call them. These players may not have that superstar ceiling or we don't necessarily see it unless something very strange happens but we feel like the usage will be there and therefore we can put them in a flex spot and feel comfortable with it 
So, George, I noticed a name from the Jacksonville receiving core, and he had a catch. Ooh, it's going to be up there with catches of the year. Talk to us about yeah. that player. I, I don't normally watch Jaguar games, but the Jaguars and Patriots were on at home on my big TV as I was watching, streaming everything else, and I watched that play in real time, and my jaw hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Keelan Cole, guys, he's the real deal. He was 7 for 8, 116 yards, and a touchdown against the Patriots. That one-handed catch was ridiculous. He's averaging 14 yards per target. The Tennessee Titans cornerbacks are terrible. They've been given they've given up the sixth most catches to wide receivers since the start of 2017. Uh, they've given already given up four touchdowns in two games to wide receivers and almost 475 yards in the air to the wide receiver position through two games. Uh, that's the second most points allowed uh, to the wide receiver position in the NFL so far. Blake Bortles is proving himself to be more than a formidable quarterback. He started this run at the end of last year, and he's continuing his hot streak. No Leonard Fournette or Leonard Fournette. Uh, Blake Bortles looks confident. The Jaguars' defense used to be the, the the key cog of this team, but the offense is is not is not you know walking away easily. Austin Severian Jenkins with a big touchdown last week. Uh, call me crazy, but the Jags' offense is legit. I can't believe we're saying that and and meaning that. But that was amazing. That Keelan yeah. Cole catch was really good. They looked good. They took down the Patriots by being aggressive in the passing game. I mean, Blake Bortles looked good. He had lots. He has lots of good receivers to play with this year, which I feel like he hasn't always had a, a core of quality guys that he can look across all of his reads and make a play. It, they were able to take down the Patriots. I can see him continuing to roll. Man. Yeah, I love that pick. So I'm going to go with a dueling floor play here, and I do have to mention two players. I'm sorry, guys. But I want to talk about a record that Matt Forte currently holds. It's the single-season running back receptions record at 104. Currently, folks, we have six running backs on pace to break that receptions record the new nfl now unfortunately we know that injuries will take some of them down for a certain period of time we unfortunately don't know who at this point the names are a lot that you'd expect christian mccaffrey saquon barkley melvin gordon El- alvin kamara i almost said elvin kamara mm-hmm. that's a language maybe uh <laughs> there are two names that are on that list as well and are therefore floor plays until further notice and that's Chris Thompson and Theo Riddick. I do think that Theo Riddick's role is actually increasing with this RBBC in Detroit. They're using Carryon Johnson and LeGarrette Blunt as traditional running backs and they're splitting Theo Riddick out wide, giving extra targets almost in the exact same way that we saw Alvin Kamara prior to the Adrian Peterson trade get used last year. And Chris Thompson, he matches with Adrian Peterson's, again, he matches with his skill set just perfectly in Washington. I mentioned this about Isaiah Crowell last week. When a running back is used to his physical traits optimal status, often good things happen. He's not being asked to run in between the tackles and therefore he's getting manufactured touches, six, seven targets a game, even more is the floor for these players and when you're getting that kind of usage at the running back position i don't really care what the rushing rushing matchup looks like i don't care who the defense is these are floor plays that you have to consider for every lineup we're moving on i love it my floor pick is uh jimmy g versus the chiefs the chiefs are a great opponent for a quarterback to go up against they've given up 
876 passing yards already. That's a league high, over 100 yards more than any other team. Wow. Six touchdowns and an average of 34 points to the QB. Okay, that's two games. It's a small sample size. But last year, they were ninth in average QB points against. I think it's a safe bet that they that he has an excellent floor against Kansas City this week. And again, you don't know what receiver to start exactly in the 49ers. The target share has been pretty even. And an alarmingly high amount of those targets have gone to Kyle Juszczyk on the backfield. I, I just could see the little glint in <laughs> yeah. your eye that Kyle Juszczyk was coming exactly. out. Oh, God. Yeah, so if you, if you good, want... He's good, though. He's yeah. good, though. If you want to take part in this in this scoring against Kansas City and through the passing game, this week the safest bet is Jimmy G. That's why he's my floor play. I think you're going to see him on a lot of tickets, but I think he's you know he's destined to score points this week. You know I what I just realized, too? In the way that we're targeting the Bills' defense as a team that a Bills offense as a team that we're going to play defenses against because of the game script expectations. The Chiefs are an offense we need to target the opposite team against sure. because they're going to have to score so many points right. to win. And with, so, so with a quarterback, yeah. it, just talking game script, with a quarterback that can continue to score those points to make up for the defensive inefficiencies, the other team's going to stay in it too. So you end up with garbage time from the opponent. You end up with with, with an already high-scoring game. Then you continue to play all the way through the fourth quarter. It's fantasy goal. Jimmy G's going to hit this week. I love it. We are moving on to our final quick shot, the moon shot. This is our ceiling play. They're not supposed to hit, but folks, we came so close. And really, we had a couple of touchdowns from our moon shot, just not the high overall point total that you might need in that millionaire lineup. So I'll start us off. Guys, it's Ted Ginn week. I'm really excited. It's Ted Ginn week. I'm excited too, man. Michael Thomas has been possibly the best receiver in football. Yes. Uh, Julio Jones has something to say about that, and they go up against each other on opposite sides of the ball. That is this weekend. Mm -hmm. I feel like we see fireworks through the air from both quarterbacks, and I was noticing that the DVOA against the wide receiver one is much different than the wide receiver two. So I do think that that discrepancy is something that I like to consider more so than the number itself. DVOA is very... uh, It moves a lot. It moves around a lot this time of year Mm -hmm. but that discrepancy between wide receiver one wide receiver two and actually high marks against the running back is what leads me to mr ted ginn don't get mad at me if it's traquan smith or another one of these (laughs) auxiliary weapons because drew Brees will get it to the open man but it's ted ginn week put him in your lineup do you want do you mind explaining dvoa to those at home who may not know what that stat is DVOA is a stat developed by football outsiders you can check them out at footballoutsiders.com it stands for defensive value over average and essentially what that means is it takes the play and looks at some of the details like the down distance the score and it compares the outcome of that play versus the average outcome of that specific play so it takes into consideration the same uh game situation and game script narratives that the players themselves are putting into the the game itself. So it's a good way to look at how teams compare to each other on an average play. Now, I will say that there has been some year-to-year correlation work on it, and it's quite low. So again, it's about that discrepancy, seeing that difference between wide receiver one and wide receiver two, seeing where we might have uh, a funnel defense that's where it's most valuable yeah exactly when you break it down positionally you can really see the discrepancies that a defense have targeting a certain position or covering a certain position and the amount of success that opposing teams are having it makes makes more of a sure bet yeah if you look at it really closely this week it says g-i-n-n ted ginn oh it does yeah does it also say jr period isn't he ginn jr uh my moonshot this week is uh mr charles clay he ended up being a pretty safe bet 
uh, for Tyrod last year when the Bills were struggling. Not this bad, but in particular this week they're facing the Vikings. Uh, the tight ends give up, have given up the fifth most, re- most receiving yards to tight end and are 24th in DV- DVOA versus tight end, like what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to be down. McCoy's banged up. They're going to have to turn somewhere, and they're going to have to pass the ball. I think Clay is a great option against this Vikings defense. Last week, they gave up 95 yards to Jimmy G. Uh, and this week, Clay could... Uh, they, they gave it. They gave up 95 yards to Jimmy G's tight ends. Clay oh, could definitely okay. hit that. Yeah, yeah. Because well, he, he threw to a combination of tight ends last year or last week. Uh, uh, it, wasn't there some? Yes, uh, there was a Selleck the appearance. Touchdown yes, there was. He also made a couple of catches too. It wasn't the Kittle show, but in terms of tight end in in Buffalo, it's the. There were a couple show. plays I noticed where they had Kyle Uschick, Garrett Selleck, and uh, sorry George Kittle all lined up. That is a lot of big, right, blundering. Caucasian men. Well, what I like about seeing the, the Bills, the, like, yeah, it, it is. What I like about seeing the Bills against the Vikings is is it's more of a funneled approach in terms of who's going to catch passes there. It's probably going to be Clay or Benjamin. I have a, I'm going to bet on Clay this week. Yeah, the, they're all super talented. Uh, yeah, they, during the great. during the off season, during during the off season, I hear that they all actually work for Secret Service. All three of those um, guys, Brita and so, Kittle, and yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh no, Kittle, use check. check. Oh, gotcha. As and, well, and Selleck. Yes, absolutely. George, please save us from ourselves. <laughs> Who's your moonshot this week? Tariq Cohen, or Tarak Cohen, depending on who you're speaking to. He exited with an injury last week. Never great, but I think he's going to be okay. Uh, Arizona allowed the most points to running backs in PPR format through the first two weeks. Uh, the bad news is the Bears run- the Bears haven't had a running back hit pay dirt yet. I think it's time. I think this week is time. Um, Tariq is also a special, special play. If you, uh, in your points, system settings, have uh, points for punt yards, punt return yards, um, Tariq had a, an amazing return of 40 or 45 yards, almost broke it for a touchdown last week. So I expect mm-hmm. I expect the Cardinals to punt the ball a lot. Uh, the only <laughs> downside with Tariq Cohen is that he averages about 25 snaps a game. Uh, I hope that goes up to 30 or 35 if they start to sit Jordan Howard after a blowout, which is what I'm hoping for. Um, I could certainly, I'd love to see him touch the ball 10 or 12 times with the potential for four or five catches. I don't see Benny Cunningham eating into his time, even if jo- Jordan Howard sits. Um, this is somebody who is really gifted. We saw it last year in the beginning of uh, 2017 as a pass-catching back as well as being really, really, really speedy. And uh, I think uh, the, the Bears running back core will have a touchdown or two in this game. I think it's their time. All right. Well, obviously, if he doesn't play, we're going to sit him out. But I do have to say that injury, especially when it occurred on Monday Night Football, it might reduce his ownership if he's good to go. He's got a phenomenal matchup. I like the call a lot, George. All right, we're almost done here. Before we head out for the week three games, we like to leave you with one lineup to rule them all. That's right, one lineup from our collaborative research that we believe can start your core lineups. This one might just win us the million itself, but like we were talking about, one change here or there often puts you way above the field Take this knowledge, mesh it with the knowledge that you have late in the week with all the research you've already done, and then you guys are going to have those cashing Go lineups. Go some money, yeah. William, tell us who we got this week. So our lineup this week is on FanDuel, which we definitely want to point out because the pricing, you wouldn't be able to get all these guys in DraftKings, which often means we found a lot of value here. We, uh, at quarterback, we got Carson Wentz. 
We're putting Dalvin Cook in at running back and Chris Thompson, what we talked about with that floor earlier, and smashing with the Vikings D. Uh, the wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton. We stacked Nelson Aguilar with uh, Carson Wentz. We're throwing in one of Pat Mahomes' options, Sammy Watkins. At tight end, we got Jared Cook at flex. I just realized he's in our flex spot. Alvin Kamara, okay, we can play him there. And then, of course, at defense, we got the Minnesota Vikings going up against the Bills. And if we do get word that Dalvin Cook is going to miss this game with that hamstring injury, then we pivot right on over to Latavius Murray. And then we get Corey Clement, another running back, who's going to get a lot of touches with other running backs out this week. Then we get super chalky at wide receiver Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. Keep Nelson Aguilar and his large target share in there. Eric Ebron, another tight end we really like this week. And Gio Bernard, we already talked about it. Cash smash. Keep the Vikings D, and that's one and a half lineups to rule them all this week. A little bonus content from the Draftaholics. I really love this lineup. I feel like we have some really amazing scoring uh, players available. And, and, and it just fit under the FanDuel uh, cap, which... When we flipped over to try to fit the lineup into DraftKings, it's a good sign that we found some value plays there. Yeah, I believe it was 99.8% of the FanDuel salary and 110% of your right. DraftKings uh, salary, so you could not do this lineup here. Nelson Aguilar with almost 30% of the Eagles' targets. This has changed. Mike Wallace has a broken leg. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is nowhere to be found. Zach Ertz is still going to get his in the red zone, but... I want to see Aguilar as this first round wide receiver pedigree finally gets his time. It's finally his chance, I think. Guys, that's our one lineup. That's the way we're going to win and take down week three. It's been an amazing week. I really, really love this time of year. Make sure to focus on those running back receptions. We've never seen anything like this in NFL history. It's Mm -hmm. a sign of the changing game. It's really cool to see these uh, gadget players come to life. Uh, so many matchups to watch. It's a great time of year. I'm Matt Saboka at Draftaholic. Did you see me almost forget my name? I was like, yeah, I'm Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really know my name. Matt Saboka at Draftaholic on the big screen. 0-2 in my home league, but that's going to change this weekend, guys. At George Sloten. Follow me if you dare. And I'm William Spinato at WSpinato on Twitter. That's two N's. One T. The most seamless exit we've ever done. That was easy. Follow us on Instagram at Draftaholics Pod. We will see you next week where the Draftaholics, you know, you're only as good as your last pick. As your last pick. Deuces. Bye.